All right, let's start, and then we'll we'll kick off right into there because I have questions already. All right, let's go. All right, all right. This is the dialogue box. This is Gwen Frey, and today uh, Chris Light is still in transit back, well, setting up in the UK. And so this week I'm joined with Jason Mohica from Proteus. What's up, everybody? What's up? This is your third time here? I think it's my fourth. Fourth time here? We can't get rid of you, Mohica. No, I guess just keep coming back. <laughs> <laughs> But you were just telling me your Discord has, uh, you can't message everyone on your Discord because your Discord's over a thousand people. Yeah. Which is awesome. Congratulations. That sounds like probably a big deal. Oh, thanks. I don't know. You know, it's interesting. Um, So right after we reached a thousand, Discord created a folders type thing. And I don't know if you know this, but on the left side, you know where all the icons are on your Discord? You can... You can drag and drop them kind of like an iPhone yeah, into like do, a folder structure. I've done that accidentally and it creates like a folder out of it. Yeah. So I think that was sort of like death of indie like groups over Discord because once you can put everything that isn't your general buddy hangout, you know, uh, into a folder, you can just right click on the folder and say Mark is red and like things Things dramatically slowed down for us once the once the folder thing was introduced, which, which I found was very interesting. Hmm. Um, but then there's that, and uh, yeah, and then once you hit a thousand, they don't let you ping everybody after a thousand. So only people who are on at that time That's get pinged. Probably good. Like as yeah, a person, but I, mean, it, I, I don't want to be. Like I don't want to be that. I hate being as we don't ping accessible. that often. I'll just say that. So yeah, as a as a person who has the power to ping, I dare not ping everyone that often. I I'll just, just say that I prefer to opt into my media. Like I I get true, interrupted just all the time. I try to be as I try to make it so that nothing notifies <clears throat> me anymore. It's just like I have such a hard time getting into the flow, especially. Like there's days when you wake up and you know exactly what you want to do, but a lot of the days aren't that, especially towards the end or the beginning of a project. And yeah. the constant interruptions are like death. Uh, yeah. Maybe. No, I, I think that that's uh, something to be said about, you know, like on Twitter, you can just kind of, oh, I'm going to turn off Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Um, and you can just avoid it. And then, but, you know, on Discord, it's like somebody's talking to you now, mm-hmm. you know they it's a sort ch- of expect a response maybe I, I don't like that well the thing is like that would be cool if you were in a chat room you can be like okay i'm in the chat room now and now i'm not in the chat room but yeah. the problem with discord is you're always in it like you boot up dis you join a server and then you're in discord and it's like do you want a service where you're in a chat room always where you're always accessible at all times i don't think that's right. fair right like i don't want to be permanently present in a chat room i want to i don't like sometimes i want to go to the toilet like i don't want to con- like i i don't know like i want to go to dinner i want to be left alone for like a fucking hour right well they have, to leave you can server. you can take yourself to like offline or whatever i mean they have settings they have custom titles now underneath so you could say if you really want you could say like i'm taking a dump leave me alone <laughs> or you could you could you with the little poop emoji yeah <laughs> taking a dump leave me alone I don't know. I go back and forth on that stuff because I'm definitely addicted to it in a way. It's the problem. Like I go through phases where I'm just way too addicted to the uh, to all this stuff. Shit, did our Twitch stream drop out? I'm still working for me. Oh, okay. Well, I will ignore that. Anyway. At least at the moment it is. Anyway, yeah. So the... Yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. 
this goes back to Gwen's bad at social media. Uh, I, I'm like, I go through cycles where I just ignore it for three days and then I'll be back and I'm checking it every hour. And I think so. Oh, that's so good though to, to, to just, I haven't been able to avoid it. Like if I were to be able to turn it off for two or three days, that would be pretty intense for me. I think yeah. maybe I might have become addicted to it. I don't know. Do you go on vacation, like off the grid somewhere? That helps if you physically can't reach the internet. I will like be I will be going on a cruise uh, in December at some point for like a few days. And I feel like that'll be nice to kind of unplug. But I bought a laptop so that I could continue making levels. <laughs> that's okay. I, I vacation so, bad. I vacation no, bad. That's, that's actually really fulfilling. Like if you don't. So if you have those days when it's like you have the ability to work stuff, to work on stuff, but you're totally not expecting to and you can't connect to the Internet. For yeah. some reason, those are the days I get the most done. Like I get everything done over Christmas holidays when I'm like avoiding my family somewhere. <laughs> like I, I just I prefer working that way without the. Well, I think I, I recently so when I got this laptop, it, it it's a really awesome like gamer laptop type thing, but it's really small and it fits. Uh, it has like the 144 hertz refresh rate, so it was really great. I've never seen Proteus run at that because my monitor isn't, mm -hmm. and uh, so I go out on my balcony with my dog and the internet doesn't really reach there. So I just sit down and I get latest inside and then I walk outside, sit down with my coffee and we just kind of, I just kind of work and chill with my dog outside and I get a lot done. That's what I say. That uh, and it's so really pleasant. nice. Yeah. It's really nice. Well, during the summer it was nice. Yeah. But as soon as it got cold and, and rainy, it was not, but yeah, no, that I can't wait to get back into that. Have you been working a lot lately? Like, what's your what's your day like now? How far are you in Proteus? Tell it. Like, oh we man, we haven't heard about. So Proteus was kickstarted what like months ago, right? Like, yeah, almost. No, it was in April, May, May. Okay. I think March, March. All right. Anyway, February, March. Yeah, it was March, May ish. There was like a month there. Um. So it's been it's been about like six or seven months maybe seven or eight months mm -hmm. i don't remember uh when it ended uh but yeah no you know what i'm i've been on a terrible sleeping schedule i've i've done like the poor indie thing where i i i i wake up really late in the afternoon and then i stay up till like four in the morning or like but i get all of this work done because it's just quiet and it's dark outside and nothing's going on so i just get tons of work done um, but yeah, I've been trying to flip it, flip it back because I just, that's just not good. <laughs> it's just not good to be living in the dark. Yeah. So, uh, that's been bothering me, but yeah, I've been getting a ton of work done. I mean, Proteus is going great. Um, we have some big stuff that we're working on right now that I haven't, I can't talk about, but, um, how is that we're possible? Super excited. There's like two of you and you're constantly present on the internet. Like, how are you not giving away everything? Uh, well, I mean, we so you know what the Kickstarter money we were able to to contract people to, to get like a bunch of stuff done. Um, Mike went through recently and blocked out. He did like a block out for all the weapons in the game, or not all of them, but like the ones that we expect to ship. And um, and once he got them done, we started handing them out to our friends that were helping us out. So we've got a bunch of contracting stuff going on here and there, and like. It's going really great. We're getting like we're trying to get as much done this year as we possibly can, um, 
not only for tax purposes, but like, oh, you're just trying to, to like, spend all the money so you don't have to pay taxes. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to get rid of, we're, we're trying to like get all the money sort of like, yeah. I mean, as an indie, you have to keep in mind that stuff. Right. So, uh, we're, as, we're doing that. As anybody, you have to keep in mind that stuff. There's a, uh, hmm, just things I can't say. I have, I have <laughs> well, like for you as well, right? When well, you, when you no, know. I mean, like, I'm pretty well aware of, like some of the larger companies work pretty hard to give a lot of money at certain times of the year before the fiscal year ends for the same reason. Yeah. Like there's a reason why I, don't I remember know, working. Say, um... say you made a massive game, like a game that's huge and like <laughs> a global phenomenon. And then all of a sudden you found yourself giving away a lot of grants and shit. Uh, there might be yeah. tax reasons to do that, right? Because oh, you know that's actually got, that's funny because you, you know you got like that, a lot of it? revenue one year, and you're probably not going to have it the next year necessarily. All right, Gwen. Like, there's, <laughs> like, no, this shit happens at every level. Like, it's it's not true. Just, it's true. No, yeah. it's true. It's absolutely true. Uh, no, when I was helping out the Blackout Club, uh, Jordan and and Stephen and them, uh, they were like, "Do you want to bill us for like next year?" <laughs> I was like. I was like, yeah, I guess I could bill you guys for like a few weeks and the next year is fine. Um, uh, no, it's great. Yeah, so we're we're like super deep in it. But like besides just game development stuff, we have a bunch of other announcements that just Mike and I know about um, that we haven't been telling people. Um, but yeah, we've got just tons of stuff going on. I'm really enjoying still making levels like just on a daily basis. It's like one of the best things. So yeah i don't know i'm super excited about that so you're in like full production right now like you're you're cranking yeah. every day making levels and stuff we've pretty much been like that for a while now like i don't like when i wake up it's like yep make a level got to make that level and finish that thing and, oh, and work on but i've been getting faster and faster at it like every obviously like every cycle you know you would get faster at making a, a new level but uh jealous. yeah jealous. At, the, at the speed that i'm at right now i feel i feel like i was like oh that's really cool like at payday we used to have to make a map in a month, but I would have like six artists or something and I would just make the block out and be like, do your thing and then I'll correct you guys when you do something wrong. Um, you know, and I would just let them let them feel out the way that they wanted to make a level and I'd be like, okay, no, 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 this looks good. And I would I would just adjust things. Um, and then, but for me though, like I have to do the layout, then I got to do the art and then I got to do the lighting and the gameplay tweaks and everything. So there's more, there's a, it feels like more involvement. Um, and, and I've found that working on these types of maps uh, for this type of FPS, you really want to set up your compositions correctly and your lighting and your distances so that everything is really, really readable. And a game like ours where you, you've got like pixelated stuff, non-pixelated stuff. Um, I've been really trying hard to balance my lighting and get like the coloring right uh, so that everything is just readable and uh, you, that's been a lot of fun. Do you suspect that happened in other games too? It was just not you that was doing it? What do you mean? Well, I mean, in the past you said you you blocked out the levels, but then an artist handled this. Was that just before that was an artist handling it and now you're handling it? Or do you think the actual style of the game makes it so that that's more important? Um, It's a mix for sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's definitely a mix. I mean, some cartoony games don't need stuff like that uh you know it just depends on your style right like the more gritty realistic like when you think about call of duty for example i think one of the things that was big for them was if you can go through a door it's already open or the ais are going to open it for you so there was like that's a very simple rule that they follow and it allows the player to know okay so like dark alleyway 
orange light on the inside of the hallway, you can see that, oh, that's my door that I'm going to go through, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and then, then you can play with player expectations based on that kind of stuff. But uh, I think I think uh, for a game like ours, it's a little bit more critical because, um, well, I'd say it's about the same in any kind of FPS, but when you when you're thinking about like the vertical slice or or like not the vertical slice but when you thin slice a scenario or like a frame of the gameplay when you're running so fast and you need to like for a split second you need to go enemy 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 doorway health kit you know that's the way people play the game they thin slice every five or like whatever frames you know in their brain you gotta Um, like let your eyes blur and see what pops you have to make sure the visual language is very clear for what you're targeting and stuff that makes sense yeah yeah so one of the things we did during our kickstarter was we we beefed up like sort of the rim lighting on the characters so that they stuck out if they were farther away and then when they got closer the rim lighting kind of goes away and that was one of the reasons why we did that was just so that you could they could pop out easier and when you were running through an environment that was all dark or whatever they would just be there and you wouldn't have to worry about oh, am I hitting this guy or can I see this person or whatever? Um, there's lots of little tricks like that. And uh, it definitely comes down to like the level design as well. If you're just using nothing but noisy textures everywhere, that's not going to be good. That's going to make people get confused. And I don't know. There's, I feel like there's more of an art form on it for this game particularly than I've had in the past. Like I haven't had to worry about noisy amounts of, Amounts of noise in Payday, for example, because it's not hardcore. You would in Counter-Strike, for example, like certain corners of like peekable angles need to be clear enough that you could see an outline of a person. It's how important it is that you can quickly grok the scene, quickly understand the scene, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, certain games, uh, a lot of uh, first person shooters are unique in that there is no UI. The UI is the art, like the thing you're shooting is the art. And so it's important that like the characters have a rim lighting because that's the thing you're targeting as opposed to uh, other games might put less emphasis on making sure that the art is as readable, but that's because they lean a lot more heavily on UI, like a strategy game or so forth. Like uh, Into the Breach is amazing UI art. Uh, It's a pixel style game, but it's such a completely different game and they have to work really hard to make that UI art work where they don't have to work as hard to make sure that like the characters stand out because of it. I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm just saying. Well, I think I think also on that on that note, too, is like you didn't really have to worry too much about that with kind. There was definitely like a bit a bit of that for sure. But like, you know how it's like I've got a grid. You've got to make sure that that grid stands out no matter what, you know, that people don't like not see a grid square on the right side or something like that. Correct. So the, for, it's very for necessary. you, it's a bit different. It's yeah. a, just completely different concerns. It's making sure that, absolutely sure that you see the, um, that you see the grid, that there's no lines, no high frequency detail that will distract from the grid. That was a huge problem. Like yep. if there's ever junk in the level, it just obscure anything that obscures the grid is a problem. And Z height was a massive problem. Getting yep. people to understand that this is a slightly higher height. Like there's a lot of shader tricks to make it so that, the, I thought you did a good job on that too. By the way, I, I mean, I played through a good like few hours of your game, and I, I thought like, yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah, this works. Yeah, the um, yeah, a lot of a lot of art went into that kind of stuff, but the, it's just such a completely different. Yeah, it, it's just such a completely different mindset versus like uh, I don't know, Bioshock Infinite. We worked on that together. Like we definitely with Bioshock Infinite, there was a lot of 
focus on composition and lighting, but only not so much for gameplay, more for telling the story, the narrative purposes, selling the yep. the kind of scene. The same thing I'd argue in Death Stranding is more a lot of focus, an intense amount of focus on on composition and on music, well, sure. atmosphere, and so forth. Uh, you can really see lighting. like they've picked colors different for like the buildings and the structures are a different color than like the ground, and you know, I mean, there's yeah. it's a uh, it's a pretty. I mean, when you when you start like heavily getting deep into this kind of stuff uh and it like takes over your day <laughs> um you start to see and appreciate it more in other games <laughs> yeah, like, I, uh, I don't know like the the current map that i'm that i'm working on uh you know there's but there's so many things it's like okay you got to make sure that each room is unique because you know if the player's backtracking you want to make sure that they understand that they're that they're oh I've I've been through this room or like you know this is it, there's so many little things and then like changing up the doorways or like the lighting per room the texture usage um, like I said keeping things clean in certain aspects I mean it's just it's a whole new layer of like thought process like once you're done a layout and the gameplay and mm -hmm. uh, I'm finding it fun to to get into that headspace and. Uh, it's been a really fun challenge so far, so I'm definitely enjoying it. I'm jealous of you right now. This is my favorite part of production. It's when you're figuring, you've got like the game design kind of figured out, and it's firming up, and you're you're just figuring out how to how to execute. You wake up every day, you know exactly what to do. You're just doing it. You're just grinding it out, dragging yeah. it out for as long as possible. This is the good part. Well, this is the yeah. well. I I do this cycle every map. So I I go in and I've been kind of taking maps from start to finish at mm -hmm. each time. Um, and the reason I've been doing that is mostly so that I could not only get better at like arting up the maps and like learning what works and what doesn't work. I think that's kind of important because if we wait to the end and I have just like 30 blockouts and I have no idea how I'm going to light things or what looks good or what doesn't mm -hmm. look good or what players are enjoying or what they're not enjoying. Like to me, it's like, you know, need to do it like while I go and then get playtesting on that stuff right right now and see like, okay, yep, this is not working, cut it like immediately. So I, th or, I, think, yeah. I usually think about it when I'm working games is you go, you have to go deep uh, at first on like a couple of levels for, I don't know, like what you think is like five to 10% of the experience. And then you go wide yeah. to figure out the scope of the game. Yeah. So, and then, it, and then it just becomes a matter of ricocheting back and forth, going deep on more levels and then making sure you've gone as wide as you're gonna go. Cause like at some yeah. point you do need to not, you don't need to block out all the levels well, but make sure that you have enough variety of content to make the entire game and figure out what is the amount of game you're making. I don't know yeah. how necessary that is for shooters. Cause you can kind no, of- No, it is. What you, what you described is exactly how I've been kind of doing it. Like I, there was a period where I just went and did a bunch of blockouts and then I came back and did this. And then it was like, yep, I'm going to finish the art for this so I can get some more testing on a different type of level. And, you know, then it, you kind of ping back and forth between, okay, so now when I'm done with this, I'm going to go back and do a bunch more blockouts because I'll have like a firmer grip on a different style or something like that. So yeah. for me, it is it is that ping back and forth. Uh, and you go deep dive on, on one. Like, for example, um, last month, uh, after we got back from PAX, I took one of my uh, one of the guys that's contracting for us doing levels. I took one of his levels and did the like ten percent polish pass or whatever, and it took me like 
two two weeks <laughs> and uh so like when when you do the the 10 percent polish pass i found that that really interesting to do and get get to a certain point and it really made quite a big difference but i thought that was 10%. a very interesting path what do you mean by 10 percent polish pass you know how like you can get a level to like 90 percent uh, or like you know it's like 80, the 10 percent rule yeah. yeah the 80 20 well for us i guess it's like a little bit about the same um yeah 90 10 uh yeah it was 80 20 basically uh but yeah the uh like i've i've i wanted to do that on one other level and just see like okay well how far do we need to take this and that and so i, I yeah i've just been kind of bouncing back between a bunch of stuff but i don't know i love doing it uh, i've been finding it to be a lot of fun and i'm definitely getting a, a lot faster um so I'm I'm enjoying that right now, and I'm hoping that uh, we just keep up this pace. It's gonna be good. Nice. Do you have an idea? So if you've gone, if you've done max depth on a level, and you've gone kind of wide, like you have an idea of how many maps you need and yep. how to get the experience you're going for. So at this point, do you have like a rough idea of when you're shipping and stuff, or <coughs> like how long you'll be in production before you hit the closeout phase? Um. Yeah. I mean, our last announcement just before Doom Eternal announced that they were pushing back. <laughs> uh. So we were, we said that we were were shooting for February, and we're still shooting for February. Uh -huh. uh, we got a lot of stuff going on, but we have some big, got some big stuff. When is uh? When is Doom Eternal coming out? It's. It was literally going to come out like, like three weeks after we announced early access or something like that. So it was like, oh. Cool. Uh, whatever. <laughs> I think it's I, in it's good January, February, March. I think it's in March. It'll be fun if, like, if that game pancakes. Uh, then, no. Or, or if like people finish it and they're bored and they want more like it. Or generally, that's, that's the idea, right? I mean, but yeah. I'm kind of like, look, I'm gonna enjoy the crap out of Doom Eternal. I know it's gonna be amazing. It's gonna yeah. be so good. I feel like the only thing that I would be concerned about. I guess would be if they all of a sudden release like a level editor that was better than snap map. So like they did snap map. Uh, and that was mostly for console people, I think. Um, but yeah, I guess if they, if they were to release like a full blown editor that, you know, you can make whatever maps you wanted, that would probably eat away at like our stuff as well. I don't know. It's it's so hard to say because like honestly I don't think that we're in the same league like they're AAA we're still indie I mean we sort of occupy a similar space but at the end of the day like they are just like people know about Doom Eternal they don't know about our game so I I feel like we have different we have different things going on I don't know it's hard to say no yeah it, it's difficult like you could this could create a renaissance where people are really interested in this this could like there's a million different ways it could go yeah so, it could also go why would i why would i get that when i can get this you know it's like mm -hmm. i don't know it's um it's interesting so I we'll like have to see how it goes february sounds like a good time to launch too though that does mean you're probably going to be like crunching over christmas and stuff yeah i mean that's one of the reasons why i want to take a small vacation <laughs> and kind of just like maybe i could like reboot my brain a little bit you know uh, so we'll see how that goes, but I don't know. Well, I think we'll be fine. All right. We'll be I can, fine. Uh, last time we spoke uh, on the podcast, you were debating coming out on console. Are you still thinking about it, or? Oh no, no, no. I, we weren't debating. We we knew that we were. Oh, okay. We knew that we were. Yeah. Um, and we're gonna do. Uh, I believe 
we're working on some stuff right now to do localization for like a bunch of uh, a bunch of countries. So that'll be good as E-fix. well. Yeah, the standard. But then we got a few more in there as well. Portuguese. You know, it's funny. I was as uh, I was like, oh, I should do Swedish because you know all my Swedish friends. But then I messaged them like while we were talking about it, and they were like, nah. They're like, yeah. everybody knows English. Don't do it. Same thing with Dutch. They're like, this is, why did you do this? Just don't. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, oh, come on. The, even the they're people like, don't worry about it. Because they're all bilingual. Whereas, I like, would do Japanese and... Korean I wonder if Chinese. we did... I wonder if we... Yeah, definitely Korean. Um, I don't know if we did... Because, like, we have a lot of Japanese followers, mm-hmm. which is super random. But, yeah, we definitely wanted to do Japanese. And I don't know if we did... I would have loved to do Chinese, but there's only one reason to do Chinese if you're if you know you're gonna if you're gonna go for that market. I don't um, know. I know a lot of people. Some people have a significant amount of success releasing on Steam, and there's like a gray market in China. Right. Where people get around the firewall, and right. uh, if you localize your page and your game to Chinese, um, I mean, I think the big conversation is not whether you should do Chinese. It's actually arguably like a no-brainer. It's just up there with e-figs, really. Hmm. Okay. Uh, but the question is, do you go traditional or what's the other one? Oh, right. Uh, simplified. Like the shorthand or the classic? We, yeah. Like, because historically, I, like I did simplified for Kine and mm-hmm. simplified is the usual default if you do one. But traditional is rising in popularity. Interesting. So That's unfortunate, too, because they have so many more um, characters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the real reason not to do Chinese is because it's a massive pain in the ass. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's just like a lot. Uh, though, usually it doesn't mess up your UI because it's very efficient as a language. It just doesn't take up that oh, much really? space. Okay. I mean, you have to have all the characters, but like German will take up like twice as your German strings will be twice as long as your English. Yeah. Strings. Yeah. So yeah, don't yeah. worry about that. I heard that um, the capital W was like the biggest letter that we've got um, in English. Yeah, so like just spamming that for like thirty characters or something will help you figure out like how bad your UI actually is or something. Okay, I mm. I haven't thought about it, but that, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I mean yeah. I, the the real issue isn't the number of characters; it's just the uh, that the strings are so much longer in other languages. That saying something simple that's like this much text in English could be like this much text in German. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Twice I was long. surprised how much text Kine actually had. Um, I didn't know that you were gonna have like story bits everywhere because I hadn't yeah. played it in such a long time. Yeah. Um, but I also I really enjoyed. I will I will say this, um, because when I tested it like two years ago or three years ago, whatever it was, um, when I tested it while I was in Sweden, you mostly had just solo puzzles and i was pleasantly surprised and happy to find out that most of the puzzles are actually duets or have a combination and i really enjoyed that quite a lot i had a good time with that as soon as i started doing the duets i was like oh this feels great because it's it's mostly just like good flow movement versus like like it wasn't some of them were like good mixed in puzzles like the one the earlier ones at least that, that i played um uh, and then, like, it was just good flow, and then you had to figure your way around that flow in like an interesting way. And I, I enjoyed those quite a lot. I think it was the, the calendar one, and there was one with like some radio bits, and I thought that was really fun. Uh, so um, the two with Quat and Rue. Uh, yeah, the- there was another one too with like a, I think it was a side mission one where you had to like, 
push a calendar, like there was like a date or like a piece of paper or something that you had to get to? Yeah, the they were like pushing around on a calendar. <clears throat> yeah, well, no, yeah. it was the, maybe it was, maybe it was the later version of that. You had to like do something and then you had to push somebody under like a bunch of cabinets. And like I had, had such a hard time with some of those <laughs> for some reason. But yeah, those were, it was fun. I, I had a good time. I really enjoyed oh, it. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I think like there's a lot of things I, I wouldn't say I regret, but like I learned a lot, right? Like I think the, um, the better puzzles are the ones in the middle of the game, like the duets. Sure. Uh, but people have to get there. And a lot of people, I think it, the game was just way too hard for a certain group of people. Like um, the, how do I put it? Uh, you, I like games that are hard, right? But there's games that are hard that are like, in Super Meat Boy or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. if every time you die or you mess up, <clears throat> you feel yourself getting better each time. Yeah. Whereas with the puzzle game, because you you're learning the flow. Yeah. 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 With the puzzle game, you don't really feel yourself getting better. You either get the puzzle or you don't. And like, if you don't get the puzzle, you kind of you, you do get a little frustrated. You get frustrated. You bounce off. And so I think yeah. like, uh, and there's different ways around this. I, th I think that's why people who play puzzle games, like it's a genre that people like to play a little bit and then go off and do something else when they're stuck and then come back. You know what I mean? Sure. My Whereas, wife and I did that for the witness. We, um, we would switch off back and forth. Like she was super deep into it with me and we were playing and there was just one puzzle that like I couldn't do. So I just like, I just passed out. And then after an hour she was able to solve it. <laughs> it was like, it was such a hard puzzle and neither of us could get it. And then eventually she got it and we were like, Oh, thank God. Now we can finally continue on this. This yeah. swamp area with like different colored like underground sections. I don't know. It was it was a lot of fun though. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would I, say the witness is different in my opinion because the that one. So if you're playing a pure or a, a puzzler like um, like one of Alan Hazelden's games, you're usually playing it on a phone. If you get stuck, you kind of like put down your phone and walk away. Whereas mm -hmm. the witness, you do that, but you do it within the game, right? Like you get stuck in a puzzle, you can always yeah. just back up, and you're in this beautiful. That's world. what I meant. Yeah, that, I love that around. part. I love that. Yeah, that's it. That's definitely a really clever way to get around it. I, I think that's uh, that's necessary, right? Like if you want to, if you want to take a, be, because like I don't think a pure puzzler that where you just do puzzle, 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 and if you get stuck, maybe you can go do another puzzle. Uh, but if you don't have that world to walk around in, you're most likely just going to put down the switch or the phone or whatever you're playing on. Or, mm -hmm. and you're just gonna well, you had that kind of built into your menus a little bit. You could like back out and then go try mm -hmm. a different set of puzzles, which I thought that was pretty nice. Because um, uh, like I got to choose my own adventure, it felt like almost. Yeah, it is and true. I, I like that. I thought was, that was good. I like it, it was. I thought it was good. I thought a better solution. Like the witness is a better solution for that, right? Like it, it's so that people don't want to admit that they've lost, like or that they're stuck or that they're frustrated, um, and so you want as little friction as possible to get out and go do something else. Like you sure. want to, and and with the witness, you could literally like step back and see another puzzle like right over there and just go do that, right? Yeah. Well, they had these, uh, they had these like secondary sub puzzles built into the environment. So like if you were like frustrated, you turn around, you're like, oh hey, it's another squiggle line, and yeah. you're just. They had a lot of like good pacing and like, oh, there's a shadow puzzle or oh, there's a you know, it was it was good. Uh, I liked it. I kind of, um, so I was I made a puzzle thing for portal two back or portal one back in the day it was like a grid based um it was a grid based puzzle game where you had to shoot 
it was like a five by five grid and you had to like blot out colors and uh and then the grid would turn over and then flip back and then there'd be like another puzzle there uh and that was a lot of fun i remember working on that and but then in order to change the pacing i had a thing where like you would solve like two puzzles and then a story moment would happen and you would leave the grid and then go back up and then there'd be like some things that you had to get or like an upgrade and when you came back the grid could change and it was like all animated and stuff and um, I just remember having so much fun making these little puzzle bits, but then you also were like, I don't want to stare at this grid for too long. You know, you want to go away, you want to do something, you want to come back. Mm-hmm. And just having story moments like something could literally fly in and hit the grid or get stuck. And then it was like, oh, let me fix that and let me help this. And I had all these little um, things planned for it, <laughs> but. I never executed <laughs> on most of that, but there was like a, I made like a small thing. It was while I was at Irrational too, I think. But yeah, I just love making like puzzle stuff is will always have like a special place in my heart, and that's why I think I love Kind so much. It was it was just so much fun, and yeah. you know all the characters doing their duets and stuff. I had, uh, yeah, I'll have to I'll have to show it to you at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. I love that I stuff. Like, well, they're they're really fun to make is the one thing. And I think they you'll always hit a narrower audience in general for something like that because it'll either be, it's going to be too hard for some people um, <clears throat> or you make it easy and then it, it's too easy for other people. And then you can make up for that by making it beautiful or by making it narrative. Like uh, Gris is beautiful. Like a lot mm-hmm. of the puzzles aren't that in, uh, complicated or difficult, but they're they're beautiful, right? Or you get yeah. like Thomas was alone where the narrative kind of drags you through and it's kind of like, okay, that it's a little bit easier. Whereas um, I think puzzle games, you tend to hit a, a narrower band of, like if, if you want to make it a difficult one, you're going to hit a much narrower band of people. Yeah. Uh, I think like, uh, in a way, but they're fun because it, uh, uh, a kind of pure puzzler, what I mean by that is like a, a game that's like, uh, where there's one solution. Yeah. And you're you're guiding someone to kind of like find that solution in a way that's it's like a conversation. It's like yeah. you're trying to get them to realize something. And, and you they... wore that on your shoulder during your game as well, which I thought was really fun. Uh, like, for example, sorry to cut you off, but no, like, okay. for example, during like I think it was the calendar levels, you you you're very cheeky about your like one character saying what you think the player might be saying which is like these are all the same and then like the other and then rue's like no trust me it's different you'll have a lot of fun doing this or like and there was like there's like moments like that where i was just like ah this is so cheeky i love it like where you're just basically like having a conversation with the player at what you thought was like the moment that they would be saying that in their own head and i thought that was great i thought that was fun yeah and i Um, the player was right the same puzzle repeats twice yeah no i thought it was great it was Um, fun yeah i i had a great time making it i i had a great time uh just i loved making kind that was really fun i think um i will say it it is going to be financially successful because of the business deals i got but the the reality is like puzzle games don't make as much money uh how do i put it that puzzle you can make a really good living making puzzle games but you shit i'm trying to think of what i can say uh i I mean i understand what you're saying yeah Yeah, for sure like i i spent um without paying myself i spent about four hundred thousand 
just over four hundred thousand dollars in cost. Really? Like, well, I mean, a lot of it was porting to Stadia for one thing, and porting to all the different. No consoles. way. That was like a, a big part of the budget. That was, so console porting for you was the most expensive. Yeah, I can't give a number, but uh, it was. I mean, it's under four hundred thousand, it but <laughs> it's, it's under four hundred thousand. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was north of, it was a six-figure budget to port. You well, literally just made port, me start sweating. The port like, I'm not even kidding. It was Stadia. It was Stadia. <laughs> the port to Stadia was expensive. The port You'd, to Stadia was poor. Wow, okay, well. Well, it, it was, like, not, it's not trivial to port to Stadia. Um, maybe maybe chill on that for just a little bit. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Maybe don't go down that road. Uh, <laughs> well, it's better now. The engine's been, like, the Unreal Engine's been ported and stuff. Um uh, new technology is always going to be more expensive, but there's a cost benefit analysis. Like, so. Yeah, might, I mean, being early on, being yeah. an early adopter can definitely help. It can. It, it's like a lottery ticket, right? Like, maybe sure. you spend a lot of money to port to the PS5, but you're one of 20 titles in the PS5, or I don't know, sure. hypothetically, 26 titles on Stadia, right? Like, right. being one of the few titles in that um, means that. If a lot of people buy Stadia, there's only so many games they can buy, and if like it's true, you're it's true. So it's a lottery ticket, you know. Were um, you a part of the Apple Arcade? No, I was not. No. Okay, I, I tried. Okay, <laughs> I'd be lying if I said I didn't. No. I, I, I thought the, that what you, the way you you approached most of that stuff was pretty was pretty good. Hustling um, real hard because I wasn't convinced I could make my money back. Yes, that would be exactly what I. <laughs> What I did real hard. Well, because I love making puzzle games, but you know, single player. Like, I think you should do whatever the heck you want. Honestly, I think it's great. Um, like, it's uh, it's interesting because like I was thinking about your approach versus like the way that we're making our approach, and they 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 could not be the same approach. They just couldn't. No, um, no, and I, I'm and they wouldn't they wouldn't work. Yeah, and and right. I just. I'm thinking about doing your approach for the next game because I'm thinking about doing something very different. So that's why I'm like trying to. I oh. want to talk to you more. I want to see how this goes. <laughs> well, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think uh, I think it, I think it's pretty it's pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, the Stadia stuff too, and uh, yeah, wow. I I wonder. Okay, so a part of me wonders if we had, let's just say we had five hundred thousand uh-huh. dollars to make to do whatever we wanted i wonder where we would be right now that's my Hmm. that'd be like an interesting thought because we've talked about this before like when i was on like a few months ago or whatever should you get like a publisher was what we were yeah you would you would need a you would need a publisher to to like or somebody to to donate that money or Mm -hmm. to put that money forward but no because you know we only had the kickstarter money which was around a hundred thousand at the end for us and we've been kind of conservative about where we spend it and how we're spending it um like specifically it's basically only gone to like hero props and levels mm-hmm. uh and materials things like content like specific content um we haven't um we haven't done any like programmer or language stuff yet you know we we had been diving into that mm-hmm. But no, I find it interesting because, like you said, four hundred thousand was spent on the game, and that—that's crazy for me to think about that because, like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's interesting, Gwen. I didn't that's spend that money until I knew I had that money. Is the other thing. Like, sure, I yeah, was gonna spend yeah. zero dollars. Like, let's be fair. And then once I, I, 
I can't break NDA, but like no, well, don't don't yeah. yeah. I I got the money to do the things I wanted to do, and so forth. But, yeah, I think I think that's very interesting, yeah. and I mean, yeah, I mean, I suppose. Do you have a breakdown in, that is like art or like content versus like not content? Like mm. you know what I mean? Like so. Sure. Content. Yeah. Content total. Or percentages or something. Like yeah. you could say twenty percent was this or something. Sure. So content, everything that's not me. So I did, you know, the design, the programming, a large amount of the art, but I still hired. <clears throat> some environment artists on the UK. Also, I hired uh, a musician to make an original soundtrack. Yep. Um, what else did I put into art? Like, there's some odds and ends here and there where I bought some things, but for the most part, that came to the content for the game, 200,000 to make the game. Wow. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. That I could see. I, I suppose I could see that because if we just kept paying people and we just didn't stop and we were just like content, 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 mm-hmm. I suppose. I think the thing that we've got going for us is the level editor that allows us to just reuse the same things, but like add a color, you know, like mm-hmm. now it's a purple facility versus a blue facility or whatever. Um, yeah. That that helps us stretch our content more. Yeah. Um, the other things are the um, like localization. You mentioned there was a lot of text. Localization and QA together came to about, I'm trying to remember, I think it was 35,000. <sighs> Just you don't you underestimate how much that shit like uh, how many people you I translated into eight languages. Um, you also had a lot of text. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that we we've we've basically most of our text is the level editor, I would say. Yeah. And I feel like a smart person could literally just open up 3D's Max and then swap out the different languages and go, oh yeah, connect uh, or vertice. Okay, let me just. <laughs> they could just like fill out like a chart. <laughs> uh yeah. that probably won't work but uh yeah, yeah no, i don't that's... know you guys uh i'm trying to remember what ed- you're you're building a level editor and stuff but you're building it all in unity right yeah so uh mike generally works in unity when he's coding stuff and working on stuff but i work inside the game like the actual game mm-hmm. um because we have a he built the level editor and then i work the inside editor. the game yeah. using the level editor uh yeah i take it so, um, yeah, I don't know how localization works for you. For the Unreal Engine, it's uh, every string is tagged to be localized. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you you say, by default, it's tagged that it will be localized. And you say, no, nah, I don't localize this um, on certain things. And it works It works really well. I did very basically no work for, on the tech side in order to oh, get wow. localization. Lucky. But downside of this is it um, puts all of the strings randomly in oh, really? an alphabetical order, right? So uh-huh. you get this, you're giving somebody an Excel spreadsheet that has each line in alphabetical order, but a lot of lines rely on something else. Like say somebody says, hey, what are you doing? Those are like two different lines. Mm-hmm. And so there's loads of times when I had to go back in and, or lines just didn't work out. Oh, that's um, weird. Or things like we accidentally, like we didn't, they're little machines. They don't have like gender. Uh, and so like Rue, some people translated her with like female pronouns and some with mm-hmm. like male pronouns. And I never like gave direction on that but to the localization team. So I had to completely redo Japanese. Huh. Uh, there, there was just a lot of shit like that. That's interesting. I think, um, I think we're going to get hit by that a little bit because we don't have Mike's hard coded, unfortunately a bunch of stuff because he was doing it really quick just to get it done. Uh-huh. Um, so he's going to have to go back or someone's going to have to go back and, 
pull all that stuff out and put it somewhere. Uh, so that'll be that'll be fun. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not looking forward to yeah. to the uh, to that. Godspeed, man. Well, I mean, the other thing is, you could always just uh, like, are you going to localize at launch? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure uh, for early access, we'll have a bunch of languages. Okay. I don't know how many though. We'll see. We'll see. Hmm. We'll see. I don't know. The combinatorics of localization plus uh, console is the other thing. You mm-hmm. end up having to go back and localizing again after you do your updates for your console because the console will add a bunch of like dialogue boxes for when you uh, disconnect or they they've just you add a lot of. They haven't localized all that stuff like already. No, 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 no. You do that. Okay. Oh, I thought those were like standard definition boxes by Nintendo. There are something for. There are some things. There's just certain things that you you do yourself. Uh, like on Xbox, you have to say who the user is and give the ability to switch users mm-hmm. on your on your main menu screen. So you're probably going to need something that says username and switch user. And the, no, there's no guidance for that. There's guidance for things like what you call the buttons on the gamepad. When right. we we need to jump off this subject, it's so I don't mean to, sorry, it's sorry. giving no, me it's giving me never nervous mind. reactions right now. Never mind. Get to stay in the happy place, the place where you're making the levels. That's such a better place. My God, <laughs> so just drag that out. Just never ship. Just be in this place. Forever. I'll tell you what. Let's. I want to jump over to VR talk real quick. Okay. All right. Let's start um, VR because you used to be so, way into it. From was it Alex that got you into it? Alex. The the Valve game? Never mind. Oh yeah, well, yes. Oh, after after that was announced, I kind of picked up my my headset again. Um, I had been wanting to play this game called Pistol Whip or Pistol. Is it Pistol Whip? Pistol, Pistol Grip Whip sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I bought that, but I haven't played it yet. But uh, there's this game that I always go back to called Pavlov, and it's essentially like here's Counter Strike. And you can like load the weapons, you can take the clips out and, you know, cock the guns and everything. It's fun. And then it's just a really, really heavy community style game. So they have a Steam workshop and um, you can download custom maps. So what happens is the game is made in Unreal. So people can import whatever maps from any other game, basically, and just make them run. And then you can play them. So, like, we played Halo Blood Gulch. You would play... Halo was uh, Unreal. What was that? How do you? How are they importing Halo into Unreal? So, you know how, like, people in the modding... It, this, uh, this is another thing that, like, speaks to me on, like, a whole different level that I've been really enjoying recently, too, is that it's a very much a modders community where somebody will go through... There's a website called, like, Model... Oh man, I was on it the other day. Let me just type in model modelresources.com, modelresource.com. And they have um they have stuff from like all the different consoles like PS4 or like I mean PS1, there's GameCube, there's like a bunch of other stuff and people go in and they they basically decompile the games and get the models from the games. So like Mario Sunshine, they'll have like like a bunch of the levels in model form that you can then plop into Blender and place materials on them. And then from there, you can just export that and import it into Unreal and then change up some things and add a game mode in there. And then you're playing 
Counter-Strike weapons inside Mario Sunshine's like first level and you're running around and just doing whatever. And that to me is just such a fun, it's so weird to explore these older levels that like from different games in VR. And hmm. uh, it's it's just like a, such a weird experience. Um, but yeah, like I've, I've been really, really enjoying that. There's so many, there's so many like things that people just love to just jump into. Um, but yeah, so there's that. Uh, and the fact that it's an unreal makes it really easy to do. But the, um, the thing that I was telling you about was a, it was a game mode and it's an old game mode now, but it's called trouble in terrorist town. And essentially it plays out. Like if you have a lobby of like 10 people, uh, it randomly picks like three of them to be terrorists and nobody gets to see it except for the terrorists get to see who the other terrorists are. And then one person is like the deputy and they get to scan two people maximum. There's like a charge thing. They go boom and it says civilian or terrorists and you get two charges. And it's a really crazy party game. Um, but like when you're playing in VR, there's just like this whole other strategy to it. Because you can like, you know, you can now move and you can you're you're basically standing there with like a group of people in the middle of town and everyone's trying to figure out who the terrorist is and you're talking to them Let's like they're standing there with uh, you. I don't I don't have this in my head. So it's a group of people not physically together, <laughs> but like other people playing in VR headsets over the internet or you're all in It's every all VR and Okay, so um, everybody's got their own VR headset in their own house and they're projected into this 3d space that's shared i'm guessing yeah you're okay. you're basically joined a server it's like okay. a small town that somebody built and uh you go in there and the game mode is essentially it's like werewolf it, right yeah it's yeah. basically yeah. yeah and um but it's so much fun because you're you're trying to convince other people that like somebody else is the terrorist and because you can see their movements it's so much more intense because you can see if somebody's pointing their gun at you and it gets you, you're like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? Put your gun down, put your gun, you know? And like, it feels like a whole nother experience because you can actually see what they're doing and you can like, uh, I've just enjoyed, I've, I've been enjoying it so much recently because there's a whole meta to it where like, to figure out who a terrorist is or to like be a terrorist and to convince somebody that you're a good guy and like all this other stuff. I've just, I've been having so much fun and I've, I've, it turns out that I'm actually really good at playing it. And, <laughs> and like, we that's like also kind of scary. Out. That's crazy. So does this, the community of people that play this game specifically is large enough to support like multiplayer. Cause it sounds like you need at least sure. 10 people to play this game, right? Yeah, no lobbies fill up pretty quick. Actually. Okay. Um, there's a, there's a few game. Well, specifically, this is a game mode inside of Pavlov. So it's kind of like in Counter-Strike when people used to do gun game or... It's like Dota and Warcraft back then. Eh? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's so much fun and just like... I don't know. I, I love it. It's just you know, like, this... who, who, what's that guy doing over there? What's that guy doing over there? Everybody like, go look. Drop you know, and... Proteus. Go make this immediately. You know <laughs> VR is coming back. Valve is going to drop Alex and like everybody's buying the new whatever VR thing. They're going to play that game. It'll be fun, I'm sure. But then they'll be oh, done with it and they're going to have a headset. I, I feel like it would be so wild to play this with a bunch of people you know. Because so most of the time I play with randoms. Life, right? Isn't this werewolf that you're describing? Like you can literally play a party game in real life with people, right? Yeah, sure. You could do it like sitting across from somebody, but there's another there's another level of like 
not 100% knowing what their facial expressions are or, or things like that, um, that kind of add to it. It's sort of like, you know, when um, that spy party game came out and you're supposed to pretend like you were an AI to, to try and like finish the mission and there's like a guy sniping at you or something. Do you remember that? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so it's, it sort of feels like that uh, as well. Um, there's there's like a bunch of elements and uh, no, it's just it's just really it's really intense. So like, for example, but when you play with a friend, there's a different level because you trust your friend in real life, but you can't trust him when you join the game. Mm. But there's like a there's like a meta level of of trust. And to get over that. So like, I don't trust you. I yeah, you, you invite me great. to play this game and I'm like, Mahika, I don't trust you at all, man. You've already said you're good at this game and that means you're a liar. Frankly, One of my friends did that. I was the detective and he was a terrorist. And obviously I don't know that he's a terrorist, but he knows I'm the detective because you changed to like a detective outfit or whatever. Mm. And uh, he goes, hey, dude, come over here and scan me. Like, let me know. Like, you know, it says you're a terrorist or a civilian. And I was like, great, cool. Yeah, let me let me scan you. And I scanned him and it just says terrorists and i look up and he just goes blah 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 <laughs> like kills me right away and I, a jerk. it's such a okay. it's such a it's so funny i don't know i the hysterics that happen like because you can't trust somebody he's like he he plays with that too like he he like i don't know it's he'll chase me even though we're both innocent he'll like chase me <laughs> like and like freak me out i don't know it's it's good stuff Damn. I really enjoy it. I All really right. Enjoy it. We got to play it, though. Okay. <laughs> I got to take out my VR headset. If I packed it away. I don't even know where the, the shit is. Steam, you know, you set up Steam VR once on Steam, and it launches every time I open Steam now, even though I don't, haven't had a headset plugged in in years. Oh, really? Like, yeah. The same thing happens with my Unreal. Anytime I open Unreal and I've got my headset plugged in, it'll, uh, it'll open up Steam in VR. VR mode. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I'm in that <laughs> same boat. So I feel like I should probably figure out where my Vive is. I yeah. haven't had it since like I was working on a Vive game like th four years ago. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the crazy thing is now there's so many new headsets coming out. My buddy, um, we were both using Vives and then he bought an Oculus S, mm -hmm. which doesn't have towers. It just uses the headset to track the hands. Mm -hmm. And um, he said that it's really great. Like the display is really great. There's no more screen door effect. Um, and better. I've been thinking about the quest looks good. The they quest? Say, they say the quest crushes everything. Yeah. Oh really? Is that is that like the, the mobile one yeah, where it uses can, the like, phone? Leave. Well, you can leave. It's wireless. I think is the deal. I'm I'm outside of this. To be honest, I like forgot. I didn't forget VR was a thing. I was just like, well, there was a lot of people doing VR stuff, and now I guess that didn't light the world on fire, and now it's over. Goodbye. Like, and then yeah. years passed, and I assume nothing's happened. And then I went to reboot. Um, like a couple months back and like half the people there were working in VR and it was like, no, go on, oh, you don't wow. know what's coming. You don't know what's coming. Because like, right. I think I'm I really the only one that didn't though. know. I mean, working in VR is, is way different than, you know, just the standard stuff. I love just making something and then seeing it happen in front of me. Yeah. Uh, it feels It feels really strange. Like I've never gotten a rush. Like making a battery that you plug into a thing and then having it turn on in front of you is like, I was like, whoa, this is this is way different than just making a button that I press oh, in a game. How much of that is that it's new, though? You'll get used to that. Like, we I had that rush when we were kids starting out. With Every time I make something new in VR, it feels it feels great. Like I did that, like um, I made like a 
inspector gadget hand thing where you could like extend your hand like an infinite number of times and like curl it around and stuff and i was like this is a lot of fun <laughs> like i don't know there's just there's just something fresh like you obviously you just making a button like every yeah. time would be annoying but like the things that are like uniquely vr are always very interesting and very fun to to mess with all right we should end on uh, some hot take give me a hot take about vr Hot take about VR. Yeah. It's coming back. It's coming back. It's going to be hot. It's going to be super hot. Super hot. Super hot's already on VR. That's already happened, Mahika. Mm. Your take is old. VR is going to be the new hotness. The new it's going to be amazing. It's potential. I think people are going to pick it up again once once um, once Alex comes out. I think a lot of people are going to jump back on it. They're going to get a lot of new people injected into that. Um, I heard a rumor that a, like the index basically got sold out recently um because sure of that would. like after the after the announcement yeah i'm sure they would uh they would promote that i'm actually i'm not sure i mean the timing of these things right before black friday is very intentional right like they, <laughs> uh, so it doesn't surprise me like they, the maybe I, yeah i don't know i, I don't know like I, would, that's my hot take though about that if they were a public company they would brag about being sold out about that Maybe yeah, for sure. The, if they're a private company, that's the only reason I hesitate. Like maybe they did sell out and they're quiet about it. I don't know. Well, they just got a Twitter account, right? Or they just started using they it. Like the their, first tweet yeah. was. I mean, they had a Twitter account that they never used. They and that's so like crazy. Stupid, so they deleted it, right? You know? I feel like they're starting to do PR the right way, though. Like they've been so far behind. I feel like there was a culture there that was afraid, or like they've basically internally it was always like, don't talk to people because then people get upset, and then. When you have the internet mad at you, it's always a bad thing. But I feel this, like if you're doing it right, you're not making the internet mad at you. You're 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 yeah. you're talking with them and and you're getting them on your side more or less. Like you, if they understand your situation, that's different for Valve, obviously. But yeah, and you have to keep in mind they have two different communities they have to manage too. Like yep. they have to manage the community of and community management is already a massive drag on your resources and time and Valve is not a massive company. Yeah. So they've already said they don't manage their they don't manage their um like consumer community, the people who buy games. Yeah. They also they don't want to be the middleman managing every every developer's community. Like having yeah. to get involved themselves would suck. And also they have to like make developers aware of what they're doing and it's every time th- <laughs> The people try to read the tea leaves about what Steve is doing and like yeah. read way too much into what people say anyways, as far as Valve goes. Like, I don't envy their position. I can understand why they'd be like, I don't you either. Know what? Nothing. Like, but I mean, for I like a long it. time, it was community driven and they were happy to like let the community be the community news. But they, they would... don't. They, there's an intelligence to that, to not involving yourself, to like not, sure. not being the one that curates the community. Because and honestly, so- up until recently, like, like every time they've made a change that's really made people upset. I don't know. It's it, it's smart by them because they have games that have really, really hardcore audiences. Mm-hmm. And like some of the changes that they're doing, like recently for CSGO, they've added like character skins, which really messes up with the readability. And they're they're taking flack for that now. And I don't know. There's just a whole bunch of like interesting things. I don't envy their position at all. On the other hand, they're very active. Like the team that does Dota 2 is extremely active on their their Dota 2 subreddit. Like extremely active. And they just completely redid Dota 2. They basically did a patch that just changed the entire meta game. Yeah, it's pretty pretty intense. Uh, You could have a whole conversation about how like this is why esports can't take people... 
people who buy football teams won't buy esports teams because they don't trust that the game won't change. And then Valve right. is like, yeah, you're right. Just change the whole game. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like, a, that's another interesting topic uh, for, for another day. For the do, next day. It has been over an hour. But, and thank has you. it really already been over yeah, an hour? Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, so I'm going to end the podcast. We can keep hanging out on Twitch. But thanks for sure. chatting with me. Yeah. Thanks, Gwen. That was fun being inside the box again. It's, it's good. always good to be inside the box. It's fun in the box. All yeah. right. This has been Gwen Frey and Jason Mojica, and you've been in the dialogue box. Bye, everybody.